Hey everybody, you are listening to the Vocal Advancement Podcast and I am one of your co-hosts Tom and I am joined by my lovely co-host Heather today. Barev. And where in the world is Barev from today? Barev is the Armenian. Oh, I don't know where that is in terms of geography. <laughs> Somewhere in Europe. <laughs> that way. <laughs> Sorry. If there's somebody listening from Armenia, please fill us in. I've never yeah. been to Armenia. I'm sure it's a beautiful country. I've seen like pictures, yeah. yeah. But I don't know where it is. Oh, well, there we are. That's our first task of the day, is we're going to Google all the <laughs> <laughs> This is why we're voice teachers. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're on episode 18. Can you believe? That's, that's crazy. I know. You I mean, it's not been that long, but... <laughs> no, but you'd, you'd think we would be better at it by now. <laughs> no. <laughs> I know, 18 hours of waffling. We should be pretty good. (laughs) We're still just blacking our way through it, and that's all good. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I did finally get rid of the cardboard box behind me, though, that's been in, like, the last four videos that I keep remembering halfway through the interview, going, oh, that cardboard box needs to go in recycling. Well done, you. It's finally gone, yeah. Yeah. It only took four videos. (laughs) (laughs) been seen by people around the world that cardboard box i love it i love it yeah well i'm sat here in my lovely air-conditioned room right now we are having like a proper heat wave (laughs) in the uk and so as much time as i can spend in work i am happy at the moment because it's keeping me cool i was teaching a a student in california the other day online obviously Mm. i wasn't in california um, and oh, I was telling nice, but... her how hot it had been and it was all, oh, we're not, we're not, we're not dealing with it well. And then whilst she was in her lesson, we had a thunderstorm all of a sudden, <laughs> right? And the rain and here there's like a tin roof. So the set, it sounded like I was basically under attack and she heard and she was like, oh, what's no. that noise? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, the rain is suddenly broken. And, and I said to her, I said, but we need it because we've not had any rain for two weeks. And she looked at me like I was totally insane. She was like, is that it? Two weeks? <laughs> I know. They were like, two like, years. Yes! For the UK! That's a long time! <laughs> I know. But apparently it's a heatwave now. But I did see something very cool this morning. I was reading the news and it was showing um, Ben Nevis, like highest mountain in Scotland, uh-huh. struck by lightning and <gasps> captured on a weather camera. So yeah. there's like a like a tower thing at the top where like you go up and you get your picture taken on it like this round cement stone tower yeah so it struck that and has now blown it to smithereens so it's very cool like the picture of it happening like this big massive lightning bolt yeah so it shows you like because you know thunder and lightning's not that it's a fairly rare occurrence in scotland yes but yeah, we got struck and then it was like they were talking about all the thunder and lightning storms that had been on the West Coast and all, there was pictures of houses on fire and all this stuff. I'm just like, it wow. Was, like, it was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Armageddon. I know. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are talking about the weather again. <laughs> I know. If you haven't realised now, it's a terribly British thing to do. It is. To we com- can't help we ourselves. Com- I know. We complain when it's cold. We complain when it's windy. <laughs> we complain when it's too hot. We complain when it's not hot enough. <laughs> complain that it always rains. Then we complain when there's yeah. not enough rain. <laughs> but there we go. We're just really difficult to please in the UK, you know? <laughs> people always talk about people in the UK. We're very polite. We won't, like, you know, 
if something comes to a restaurant, we won't return it like that. But no, we moan our faces off. When oh, no, but that's because we'll moan to somebody else, not to the person who can actually do something about it. If I got if I got brought something in a restaurant that I didn't like, I'd moan to everyone in the table about how awful the food was. But if the waitress came over and went, how's your meal? I got this lovely thing. Oh, lovely. <laughs> it's lovely. <laughs> I wouldn't go, this is atrocious, take it back. <laughs> so there we are. The, quir- the quirks of us Brits. Speaking of yeah. which, we have a Brit mm. as a guest on our podcast we this do. week, which is I cool. know. Although she was in America at the time of recording, but she she's was. British. <laughs> yes. So that's okay. That's okay. But yeah, no, it was really cool this week. We interviewed uh, Savannah Stevenson, who is a performer, actress, TV actress, musical theatre actress, voiceover, lots of strings to her bow. Uh, and we had a lovely little chat with Savannah. We did. I mean, she's done some phenomenal... Stuff. I know. I she know. was she was in Wicked in the West End, which is a big deal. <laughs> and not just for like one season, for like three years. She was in it for a lot longer than I realised. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unbelievable. And actually, I went to see Wicked, and I I tried to find my Wicked program because we bought the like the souvenir program thingy, but we actually saw Savannah in Wicked when we went to see it in London for the first time. So next time I see her in person, I'm bringing my program and I'm getting her to sign <laughs> getting it. Getting her to sign it, yes. yeah. Why not? <laughs> but it's just it was such a small world. She's talking about that. I'm sitting there like, I'm sure I've seen you in this. And then I went and got my program. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, we yeah. saw you. Yeah. Claims to fame. Well, there you go. She was very good. She and she's lovely. But she was. You were right. She was in. She was in uh, Utah actually when we were mm. interviewing here. Uh, I think they have family out there. Yeah, her husband's American, I believe. Right. So that's she, the connection. She was there, and she was telling us she was going to pop in and visit some of our teachers in the area, wasn't she? she yes, that's right. She's good friends with quite a few of our teachers in Utah. So yeah, it's such a small world, isn't it? I know. I love it. I love yeah. it. So. Um, Let's let's go and let's go chat to Savannah, shall we? Find out yes. what she has to tell us. Indeed. So Savannah, thank you so much for joining us today. We are really looking forward to having a good old chat with you and getting to know you a little bit better. But I wondered if we could maybe start with a nice easy question. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got started on your current journey? I love that you say that. It's an easy question. Um, where, <laughs> <laughs> where do we begin? I mean, I suppose I started um, being interested in performance when I was a kid. And I loved theatre. My, my parents introduced me to those kind of old movie musicals. And I remember distinctly receiving The Sound of Music on VHS for Christmas. And... Uh, just being completely hooked from the moment that camera sort of went across those mountains of Austria to reveal Julie Andrews, I was like, ah, well, this is amazing. And um, so I suppose my my love and my passion started very young. I think quite a key moment was in my sort of teenage years, I got into something called the National Youth Music Theatre. Um, it's something that uh, I saw on Blue Peter for the UK <laughs> listeners who know what Blue Peter is. Um, I saw it on Blue Peter and they were auditioning across the country and I auditioned. And it's like a, an amazing um, uh, programme for young people to be able to do musical theatre. Um, and I think it was joining that that made me realise, oh, some, some of these people who are a bit older than me, they're going to drama school and they're, you know, they're, they're looking at, making this a career. I think I come from a very kind of working class background, um, not show busy at all. Um, 
And, uh, and that was my stepping stone to get into drama school and, and, and sort of the rest is history from there, going into the West End and um, doing television and film and things like that. And then alongside that, my sort of teaching and my masterclass career um, sort of went along with that. And I kind of balance the two now and I really, really enjoy both. And obviously one feeds into the other. Nice. Now, if you don't mind well, me saying... Mm-hmm. You don't sound very working class to me. <laughs> <laughs> I've lived in London too long, haven't I? Yeah. And I was I just wondered whether that was a drama school thing that kind of beat out the working class accent from no. you. Do you know what? I think what it is, is I've lived in the South as long as I've lived in the North. So, um, but I still drop all my vowel sounds. So it's still bath and grass. Um, it, I've not gone to bath and grass. But, um, yeah, I, I probably sound a bit posh now. That's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> Just thought it was your podcast voice. Yeah, my podcast voice, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I was, I was born and raised in, in Derbyshire, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. well, I had yeah. family from Derbyshire, yeah. It's ah, yeah, it's great. It's gorgeous. So what was your, what was your first professional job then? Yeah, um, I was really lucky that my first... Um, job I actually got during my third year of drama school so I went to the Guildford School of Acting and um, I auditioned for the original cast of Mary Poppins in the West End um, while I was there and by some miracle um, I got it and so I actually left drama school a little bit early to go and start the show Um, yeah so and and so but I went in um, in the ensemble and I covered Mrs. Banks and Mary Poppins um, and I was second cover for both because in the West End you have sort of first, second and third covers um, and uh, yeah so that was my first job and it was it was ideal because it was this enormous Cameron Mackintosh show um, and I really got to see at the age of 21 how a massive show is run and how you know, how the industry works at that level. And I also, because I was understudying too, I got to learn from just the most amazing people. It was Laura Michelle Kelly playing Mary. It was Lindsay Hately. Um, did you do Joseph with Lindsay Hately? I just realised. Was she was she I your narrator actually. then? Um, uh, the she name was, does ring a bell. Yeah, she was the original narrator in Joseph. Um, but, you know, I got, to, I got to learn from just these amazing people and amazing women actually um too um so yeah that was that was my first gig and now wow. do you still remember the super supercalifragilisticexpialidocious dance of course i do or, for or anyone watching you? the video <laughs> of course it never leaves you amazing never leaves you <laughs> do you know what was it's amazing actually during the run we had a gala night for julie andrews i mean and she's just my oh, wow. complete idol and she came along she had learnt it. So when she came on stage at the end, she just started doing the choreography. I mean, what a woman. Oh, amazing. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Like, talk about getting to do it with the original. Yeah. And she, yes, she was very graceful and just a delight. Yeah. I have. She seems like a nice person. She, do you know what? She was just, she's just so classy. Like, she's just. Mm. A classy, classy lady. And um, 
I I had her sign. I I took in um, a picture of her as Mary Poppins in the the scene in the nursery where she has the robin on her finger, oh, yes. and, oh, yeah. and she signed it for me to Savannah with love from Julie Andrews. Oh wow! And I have it on my wall, and it's just treasured. I love it. I bet. Yeah, that's something really special, isn't that it? That is very special. <laughs> I know. Times get hard. That will sell for a, a lot of money. On eBay. Well, I, do you know good. what? I suppose the only thing is, it's to me. It's to Savannah, so I, so it'll have to sell to another I'll, Savannah. Somebody, there'll be another Savannah. I'll want it. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she was a delight. Wow! But that, so that what, was my start. And a great start. I mean, like talk about you know going straight in to the top, eh? you know, West End show, straight from drama school. But when did you make the crossover then to TV and how, how did that happen? Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been something that's been quite gradual. Early on in my career, I sort of got a couple of jobs, but really I was busy with theatre. Because the, the weird thing about being an actor is that you want to work all the time, <laughs> but you also have <laughs> to be available. And so early on in my career... I was doing a lot of theatre, and theatre gigs are generally longer contracts. And then as I've sort of gotten older and I now have my family and, you know, children and things, I actually, unless it's really, really the right project, I actually want shorter contracts to fit around my family life. And so I started to, you know, have discussions with my agent about, well, let's let's really start to try and cross over. Um, and thankfully, in the last sort of five, six years especially, I've been able to to do a lot more of that. And I really, I really enjoy it. I really enjoy both sort of mediums, but um, but that and, and along with voiceover work, which I do a lot of too. Um, yeah, I, I, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed doing the television, but it's a very different skill. Um, so that's been yes. quite interesting, harnessing, okay, how do, how do you do that? You know, I, in theatre, you're used to rehearsing for a long time you know you might have four or five weeks rehearsal and on a tv set you come in you have a team of however many people watching you quickly work out a scene and then you shoot it and it's that fast so it's quite a different thing um but yeah that's kind of been my my move recently more recently D did you also find it difficult when you when you're doing television not to be too big that's always been my yes. downfall with doing anything on camera is that I can't stop myself from doing yeah, it's theatre expressions. Exactly, exactly. And, and I do find that it takes me a little while to adjust. So if, if I've been doing, if I've done a theatre project and then I go and do a self-tape for something or whatever it is, I, I find I have to have a little bit of an adjustment time. And you're right. And, and, and what's interesting about doing television is you have to harness exactly the same intention that you do in theatre. You know, you have to work out all of that stuff, but you do have to bring it into this realm of naturalism. Um, mm. And it can be tricky to do if, if, if you've done a lot of theatre. Uh, and, and, and it is hard to switch between the two, I do, I do find. So it is something that I've had to learn as well. Yeah. Do you find though you get like do, you know did they sit down and say right well, we want you to convey this and this or did do you get left to your devices a lot to figure out the character yourself? Um, I think in television, I think once you've booked the job because what happens mostly these days and and funnily enough I think it's really helped me to hone um, what I do on camera is it self taping. Um, and so you're you're actually able now to to look at how things read on camera and, and analyze um, that for yourself a lot more. Um, 
Um, I've totally forgotten your question. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there they seem. My little goldfish brain. (laughs) That's all right. We're the same. That's why we ended up in rabbit holes. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. What did you ask me? And I'll link it. Yes. So we were. I'm just curious, like, if when you book a TV job, how much direction you get for the character versus how much they leave you to decide what the character is going to be like yourself. Yeah, I think in my experience so far, once I've, if I book the job based on my self tape, and they really don't give you a lot of direction for self tapes. Mm. I think once you book the job, that means you're in the realm of what they want, and and so I found that on set, television directors give very small nuggets of direction um, and it can be more technical um, often than character led um, which I think is quite different in theatre yeah so we're all voice teachers and a lot of the people who are listening to the podcast are voice teachers Um, and I just wondered whether we have a lot of students who come in and obviously they aspire to be professional performers. I wondered what advice you would give to a teenager who's thinking about this as a career option. Like what sort of advice would you give that we could maybe impart on our students to help kind of steer them towards that dream? Yeah, that's a great question. And it is one that I get asked a lot, actually. Um, I think I think first of all it's hard work and um, and I think you know really instilling in your students that they will improve if they work it's a, it's a no-brainer and and you know everybody's different in the level that you might achieve but you will always improve if you work mm-hmm. um, so I would say hard work first of all and then I guess the other the other thing I say to people in the in the kindest way possible is that it is a really tough industry it's really Mm. really hard um and I think if you if you want to do it and you feel genuinely feel that you have what it takes or at least have the potential you know you think in the next Mm -hmm. few years if I work really hard I think I can get there then you have to go for it you have to do it and you have to try so hard but knowing that there's no guarantees but then the other part of that is if in all realism you think I'm not quite sure I have it but I love doing it then do it at at a good amateur level and enjoy it and love it you know um and also if there's something else that you think that you can do that will make you really happy, that will get you your mortgage and, and work around children <laughs> and all, you know, and give you stability, do that thing. You know, so, so I guess it's a lot of little nuggets of advice there, but it is hard. If you want to do it, go for it. If there's something else you can do, I would do that and keep it as a beautiful hobby that you love. Because when it becomes about, you know, needing to pay your rent or mortgage... It, there's pressure in that and it is hard mm. and it, it, you know I it might seem on paper that I've worked consistently for 20 years I've had so many gaps and breaks job to job and that is the reality and I don't know really of anyone else unless you're an A-list movie star um, that absolutely goes from job to job to job to job right. with no gaps um, 
And I suppose my other bit of advice to some of your students would be think about a job that you can do in between. And for me, I love teaching. I love doing masterclasses. Um, and that works for me in between. And that's that's brilliant. Absolutely. I think that's that's great advice, isn't it? Because it's, it's very easy, I think, especially with social media these days, just to see the glamorous side of it, you know, that and then people think, oh, it's all like this champagne and roses and everything. And they don't realize that actually behind the camera, it's incredible amounts of hard work and time and effort and not everything turns out the way that you would want it to. So it's quite nice and refreshing to hear somebody say that. Yeah. And, you know. and the thing is, I wouldn't the the path that I've taken, I wouldn't change it because the highs are so high. Like I've been mm. able to do things that are so, so cool, you know, like things that in, in terms of my life moments, I'm like, I did that and that's awesome. But the reality is that it isn't like that all the time. And mm. there's so many disappointments. You know, you have to be so resilient. You know, I, I, I lose out on far more jobs than I book. Um, and I again, I don't think there are many actors out there that that that's different for that is just the reality mm, it is you've got to be prepared to take a lot of no's yeah you have yeah, and then when you skinned. get a yes it's it's amazing and you're on cloud nine and and those experiences are brilliant so you have to be a kind of person that can deal with the two you know if you're someone that actually really thrives on knowing where you are, consistency, you know, financial consistency, all of those things, it's probably not the industry for you. Um, mm -hmm. But it's, it's hard. It's a hard, it's it's a fine a, line no, with you're it. You're right. Yeah. It's yeah. a hard decision to make for somebody, especially when you're young and you're still aspiring to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, place. So t tell me about drama school. Is it a necessary, do you think, to have attended a good drama school in order to get work in the West End? Hmm. I think it is incredibly helpful. Mm. Um, and it's not that there aren't super talented people that um, take different pathways into the industry. Um, but I think what drama school does is someone can look at your CV and instantly know the training that you've been given if you go to a drama school. And, and the other thing too is at the end of your time there, you'll do a showcase, an industry showcase, and, and agents and casting directors want and need young people um, mm -hmm. to come into the industry because you don't stay young forever. They need, they, there's a turnover. <laughs> there's a turnover there. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so I, I, think, I think of all the pathways, it is the most secure um, but it, but it's not exclusive, um, and there are people that, by chance, you know, you can go to open calls for things in the West End, um, and and often, especially, I know they did this for um, Dear Evan Hansen. I think a recent production of Greece um, in the West End, where they need really young people, so they have to open it up and see who's around what's out there yeah. yeah so there are there are other ways but i think it is the the sort of most tried and tested route yeah i mean they did open calls for six the musical as well didn't they there you go yeah you know so yeah. it seems to be becoming more popular perhaps yeah i i think i think in order to harness that young talent and and i i do think as well that there is an acknowledgement that you know if we are to embrace diversity and that means financial diversity as 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 well as racial diversity and all of those other things we have to try a bit harder to look to look elsewhere other than mm. an expensive drama school training that is not right for everybody and and is unattainable for some 
you know, I only went because I got a, a scholarship. Um, I would never have been able to afford it. Um, uh, and a lot of those schools charge you just to audition, don't they? So yes, there's there already is, a barrier. Yeah, there. exactly. Oh. Yeah, there is. Um, uh, yeah, and that, and and for a lot of them as well, you have to go for a couple of days. So mm. so you have to stay somewhere. You know, there there are some financial. Um, burdens that come from even trying out so it makes absolute sense that producers think do you know what no let's let's open this up and that's also the great thing with self-taping now too that that you can do a, a tape in your bedroom and send it in and and if there's interest then you might travel to London and and pursue it but it, it you know I do think that that helps to perhaps find some talent that otherwise you wouldn't find in a drama school and that's important and do you think that like you have to be in these areas you know like the west end or on broadway to to be able to go for the jobs when they come up or do you think you know like somebody like me living in edinburgh am i disadvantaged not living in london that's that's tricky my instinct honestly is yes um i think it is just easier and and you know and sometimes uh, you know they ask for location. I know, especially when I... Uh, so something that I do sometimes for, for a couple of casting directors, I go in and read for auditions opposite people they're auditioning that I'm not right for, but I'll go in and, and read up opposite them. And, you know, and I did one recently for um, a new musical and they wanted some children to audition, and those children had to be London-based. There was, there was no other option because it just makes sense so I do think that there are opportunities uh, if you move closer but the flip side of that is I do think sometimes in television if a production is shooting in a certain city they are looking for actors based in that city um mm. uh, so and that's why sometimes for me it's quite good that I still have family in Derbyshire because if if crews are, are filming in Sheffield or Manchester, I can have my Derbyshire base and that can be helpful mm. sometimes okay. to secure a job. Mm. So it's a little bit of both, but I do think in the musical theatre world, it's much easier to be based in London. Yeah. We have, because I live just outside Edinburgh, we have the Amazon film studio in Edinburgh oh, and yeah. I keep seeing adverts now popping up for like extras for this and extras for that. So yeah, know, keep an eye on it just yeah, in case I, something I ever fancy comes up. Yeah, and, and you know, there is a lot of filming going on. TV has just skyrocketed um, and so it doesn't surprise me that there are tons of things filming in a beautiful place like Edinburgh or Manchester or, you know, and there are agents based in all of those places too there is there is work to be found but i think theater is a little bit different mm. not impossible but different so on maybe a slightly different direction mm. what's your favorite job in musical theater that you've worked on to date oh that's a tough one <laughs> um there are, i or your top three then <laughs> right up for three. If that's easier <laughs> i think what I, what i will say is i'm really lucky i have enjoyed every job i've done i really i don't feel like i've had one that i'm like oh thank goodness that's over i i really haven't experienced that um but i would say mary poppins was an amazing experience because it was my first job and it was like so shiny and bright and new and amazing <laughs> and i was just like a little sponge um and i think that did lead on to to other really cool opportunities. I also did the ill-fated Gone with the Wind. Um, oh. and, and actually, um, 
that was a really special and important job for me because at the time uh, I was in my sort of early 20s still and I was understudying and I was the understudy to Scarlett O'Hara and I got on to, to play it under some crazy circumstances with no rehearsal um, and it just went brilliantly and it made, it sort of gave me the confidence that I can be a leading lady, I can, I can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was a really important job, even though the show was sadly panned and was too long and all of those things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it still was a great experience. It, it, was, it was my first time working with um, Trevor Nunn, Sir Trevor. Um, so, you know, so there was lots of amazing things about it. And mm. for me personally, that was my moment to go. If I, if I can do that on no rehearsal, I can do anything. You know, so it just gave me a little kick so I think that's definitely up there and then of course Wicked changed my life Wicked was just this this other level of um you know in 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 theatre um it has such a following and um I got to play a role that I just didn't think I would ever play it was a role that I thought was so right for me vocally but I thought because of the way I looked um that I wouldn't ever be seen that way and um as it happens, you put a blonde wig on me and it works, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and, and so Wicked, Wicked was a very high pressured job, the most pressured job I've done in theatre. Um, but it had amazing rewards and, and rewards for me in my personal life. Like it was my time to, to be able to do a few things financially, you know, to, to, mm. to buy a house and to get married. And it facilitated some personal things that are just as important as work things. So it just allowed me to plant my feet just for a little while. How long did you stay in wow. Wicked for? I did it for three years. Did you? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I had a little break in the middle where I broke my foot. So that was fun. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> During yeah. a show or um, No, not, not during a, um, a show. I, I was actually auditioning for something else um, and I broke it during the audition. I mean, you oh, wow. couldn't write it. Um, it's karma. But, it's um, wicked coming to get you. It is wicked coming to get you. I know, right? You're thinking of leaving? <laughs> Break your leg. Um, no, but, but actually the producers at Wicked, they were so, they were so great and, and so understanding. So I took, I think it was eight weeks off to obviously heal my foot and then Mm. slowly uh, I had about a week of sort of uh, not doing every single show like just starting to because of course when you've broken your foot and then you're back on a raked stage in high heels in heavy costumes (laughs) it takes a minute so um, but but yes I I did it for three years um, and, and in all honesty it might sound crazy but I never I always felt the fear I always felt that that kind of excited, nervous energy every show, I, you right. know. Yeah. Um, but it is hard to sustain something like that. It's a very demanding role. Yeah. That whole show Ivan. is very demanding. Yes, it is. I think even just coming down in that bubble is <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty high. And so what's funny about the bubble too is they they wait to get clearance from front of house before they sort of take you up into, into the gods. And... Um, but then if there's an issue, somebody's like, somebody calls up, oh, Savannah, we're just going to be a couple more minutes. We've just got an issue oh, no. front of house. And you're like, okay, <laughs> just, just hang in here. <laughs> wow. I can't imagine just being stuck there waiting. <laughs> but do you know what? In a way, it's, it was quite nice being up there waiting in the bubble because 
you are literally in your own bubble and you get a mo- <laughs> you get a moment to really center your thoughts you know before you start the show and I, and I actually quite enjoyed that but yeah <laughs> nice little meditation yeah Ooh, yeah yeah it. absolutely yeah. Well, you get a good view of the opening, don't you, from above? <laughs> you, yes, you do. You do, and um, and it, and it. I mean, uh, hey, uh, it's a pretty good entrance, isn't it? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So I it's so. it's fun. It's really fun. So when so, did you start coaching other singers and and you know helping them with their performance? You know, almost from the beginning. So while mm. I was uh, while I was training, while I was at drama school at GSA, I started teaching at the Saturday school. So the young children, I started teaching while right. I was training, mm-hmm. um, and and I really enjoyed that. But what I discovered was, I this sounds tra- terrible, but I didn't love teaching the really really young ones. What I really <laughs> thrived on was teaching the teenagers that really wanted to do it. You know, right. and, and so that was a, a good discovery for me to make. Right. So then once I'd done a few professional jobs, um, I started to go back into different drama schools and college settings. Um, and and what, I, what I love about teaching actually is um, I, I, like, I like two things about it. One is to be able to offer a masterclass. So I know that I can deliver something in an hour or two hours that hopefully people can take something really good away and see an immediate change and then the other thing I like to do in my sort of like private coaching which I've done a lot more of actually since Covid that really like Mm. opened up that private um, coaching part is I love to work with people over a a longer period of time and really see a bigger growth and hopefully a more lasting one Um, and it's just something I really enjoy and just works for me alongside working as a professional as well and so what kind of so like a singer comes in and they're preparing for an audition what kind of things do you do to help them then yeah so so for me i'm not um a vocal teacher so actually my focus is not really on what the voice is doing if there's if there's something that i feel like oh we can just just watch that or let's work on how that how your vocal connects to the the character we can look at that but really my focus is about acting through through song or acting the song. Um, so I look at connection, I look at whether someone's done their homework about, do they, do they know what they're singing about? It's amazing actually, I don't know if you find this with your students too, it's amazing how easy it is for us to sing a song and there even are words that we don't understand what they mean. When we, when we, just, we just sing them, and we sort of have a general, uh, sort of, I call it a general wash of emotion over it. And what I like to do is just start to pinpoint and pull out and find some, uh, you know, refinement um, in smaller sections of the song so that you, you can track um, the story uh, in a different way. And sometimes with my job as well, because I do work with other actors too, if they're, if they're like other professionals, if they're prepping for an audition. And so at that kind of level... You're not, you don't need to cover the basics. And what you're doing is really just offering a different way to do something to try and like free someone's thoughts. You know, they might have an initial, this is my gut reaction to this piece of text or this song. Okay, why not try it like this and see in trying it, is there something new that you discover? That's kind of, that's kind of what I do. So you almost become a little bit like a director in that sense. Yeah, Mm. I think you do at that level for sure. Um, Yeah, you just sort of offer 
offer something new and new thoughts, something something else to think about. Um, whereas for some of my clients who are perhaps auditioning for drama schools um, and getting them ready for that, um, that can be more of a, a fundamental sort of training and working with them. Um, so yeah, the two the two can feel a little bit different, but both are. Do you help them with both. song selection as well? I do. Yeah, I, what what I try and do with the with the drama school stuff. If you're auditioning for drama school, you have to sort of present a little package and a package of yourself. And sometimes it's hard because what we often want to do as actors is we want to really challenge ourselves and do something that like pushes our boundaries and something we might not be mm. normally cast in. But I think what's important for a drama school audition is to show hey, I'm really castable as this. This is what I can do. Um, and so if you're selecting perhaps two songs, you want one to show one side of you really castable and another side of you super castable and then same with your monologues. Um, it's not the time to go, oh, but I can do, I can do this <laughs> thing if you think outside the box, you know, as a general rule. Maybe there are some exceptions. Um, so, yeah, it's putting together a, a package that just really represents how you could fit into the industry right now. And then if you get into drama school, that's the time to push your boundaries and show I can do other things and, and discover um, those other parts of yourself, if that makes sense. Oh, I had a student once find... get into okay. drama school using a song from High School Musical, which you'd oh, immediately really? think, why would you choose something like that? But I'm like, that's your age. That's who you'd be exactly. playing. Exactly. <laughs> that's exactly it. No, and, and, and it's amazing how many people, you know, do come to me and, and the song that they've chosen is for a 30-year-old person. And, and the experiences and the, and the type of person that you were cast in that role just isn't suitable for someone who is 18 years old and going to, going to drama school. So right. it, it's really good. And, and also from a connection point of view, you know, you want, you want your student to, to do something that they can really understand at the point of their life that they're in. Mm -hmm. And that's really important. And, and that's what's beautiful for us as singers, I'm sure you'll agree, as I'm getting older and going through my life, especially now that I have children, words mean something else to me. It's a different, mm. it's a different thing. Um, and that comes with a bit of age and experience. So you've got to, I think, sing stuff that's really appropriate for your connection to it and and who am I to say what that is that's a personal thing for each individual I think yeah I agree I think I, I was pretty much told at drama school I should go do something else for 20 30 years and then come back and play all the roles I was actually designed to play right right <laughs> and you know what? that that is that is really hard because there are there are some people that their casting type you do just go do you know what when you're 35 that's it <laughs> all these roles are just gonna sit for you so beautifully you know and drama schools know that too I think mm. I, I I think you know because I've sat on audition panels for drama schools too and you are there is an awareness you can't cast everyone who is right for high school musical it just doesn't work because you you get a completely flat year group that can only do one thing you right. want you want to sort of cast your year group essentially um to to represent lots of different kinds of characters and and so with that i suppose comes the reassurance that there really is space for for lots of different types of people you do not have to conform to a certain type, especially not now. I really think that's changed a lot. I think yes. body type and mm -hmm. accent, 
you know, I, I think it's much more welcomed now um, than it was when I, I was agree. there. I th- mm. There was a real onus on having to to be very thin and speak in RP. And even then, even when I went, and I think it's changing. I think it's changed, actually. I, I agree. For the most part. I think it, yeah, I think it is too. I, well, see, now I'm being nosy for my own sake now because I was having a conversation with a student of mine just the other day about this. Um, and I was talking to her about how they'd like to cast a year at drama school. And uh, she was like, so do you think I should take one of the earlier auditions in the year for drama school versus one of the later ones? I'm like, well, perhaps, because if they've already cast someone in that first round of auditions that's very similar to you, there might not be a space for you. Yeah, Would you agree? That is a tricky one. I think, I think I would agree in part. Mm. Um, I think it's quite good to just get in there, and partly just mentally, just get in there and get it, get it done, get it out of your year. Um, I do think they wouldn't hold auditions if they didn't have space. And the other thing that drama schools are aware of is that some people will not accept your place because they might have been offered somewhere else. So, right. so there is some movement. Mm-hmm. Um, even if people have been offered places, so therefore drama schools will still continue to offer, knowing that there is just a there is a movement um, to students accepting their places. So yes and no. Okay, not too important then. Yeah, I mean, if they want a bit more time to prepare. Yeah, if they want a bit more, mm-hmm. I, I think that's fair. I think if you're ready to go, get in there and get it done. And it, it and yeah, and if you feel you need a little more time. That's valid too. They wouldn't hold auditions if they can't offer places. It's good to know. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I find this very interesting. Somebody who's not been on that side of the the world, the world, so to speak, <laughs> just hearing about the ins and outs of everything. You know, I've had a couple of students that have gone through it, but yeah, never have experienced it. So it's very interesting. But I'm kind of curious, do you find that you kind of see trends like when you're working with people that they come in with the same materials because something's happened on TV or something on the internet or on social media? Do you find that happens quite a lot? 100%. Do you? Do you in your teaching? <laughs> I can't yes. tell you how many times I've heard part of your world in the past, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. in the past there couple of weeks there you because go. of the new film. Yep, that's- yep. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and the thing is, <laughs> I think it's if, you, if what you're doing is you're having your, your lessons to improve and to enjoy, um, great. We're all influenced by the things that we hear that are current. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we, we all whacked out something from The Greatest Showman, didn't we? But, um, <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, but if you're looking at um, auditioning for drama school, you, you've got to be a little bit careful. The other thing that I find, too, with people auditioning for drama school is... Um, there is a real trend to do very, very modern musical theatre material. And for at least one of your choices, I really think something a little more classic um, is welcome. Um, mm-hmm. Because because not everybody can do it. Not everybody can find that lovely, legit sound. Um, and I think it's important to, to show that. And also you'll find that... Um, because there are lots of duplicates, a panel can get a bit tired of that. And, it, and it's surprising, mm. but if you take mm. in a glorious Rogers and Hammerstein, um, they're, they're done a little bit less than Jason Robert Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's finding the, finding the balance. 
for somebody that's listening to it that maybe doesn't know what you mean by classic, can you maybe just explain that? Yeah, just something that's that's a little bit rooted in the sort of traditional musical theatre. So, uh, so s- s- things like a Gershwin or a or a, a Roger and Hammerstein, uh, something that that requires. Um, a vocal quality that might be different too. It, you know, if you if you're able to demonstrate that you can that you can do a Stephen Schwartz or a Jason Robert Brown, fantastic. And then if you contrast that with a Roger Hammerstein or or a, a Cole Porter, um, mm. I think you're showing that, that that you can do both, which in the industry is is quite important. Mm. So what about, maybe as a final question, we'll put you on the spot, for teachers working with their students who are helping them prepare for their auditions and things, is there any advice you can give to teachers to help their students? Um, Confidence, confidence, confidence. I think always build up. Um, I think it's such a big part of auditioning. You know, if you've got students who are 17, 18, they're probably auditioning for the very first time. And it's hard it's hard for us all. It's still, it still can be hard for me. It's nerve-wracking. So to instill confidence, I think, you know, to constructively criticise. Um, but the, the, in my teaching, the first thing I always do is to try and go, I loved this about what you did. This was great. You know, um, you've got some really fantastic things in place already. Let's build on them. You know, I think if you start in your teaching to go, okay, let's work on this, because that wasn't great, was it? You know, <laughs> then, then you instantly are going to bring that student down. And, and a, a huge mm-hmm. part of auditioning uh, and getting into drama school is, is having the confidence to walk into a room and say, hi, everybody, this is what I'm singing, you know, bringing your personality there. Um, so I think it's to build up would be my biggest advice. That's great. Excellent advice, yeah. I think that's excellent advice across the board, regardless yeah. of what isn't you're working on, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah mm. absolutely, absolutely. Because what's what's the point in ever pulling anyone down? Um, oh. And and I do think that 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 confidence confidence allows you the permission to explore and find new things. You know, mm-hmm. so so actually, yeah. In 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 being positive, you grant your students permission to to really develop and find their potential. Yeah, language is so important as teachers yes. that you have to be very conscious. And we this is something we just actually had in our last conference, like, what, two weeks ago, eh, Heather? We had the classes about communication and being constructive and how to frame it. So, yeah, I think it's a very crucial thing mm. for teachers. And then, finally, because I'm really nosy, so what's next for Savannah? What's your next project, <laughs> if you're allowed to tell us? Well, that uh, that is a very good question. I guess I don't know. Right now, because I've just had a baby, so um, I have a oh, I have a four months old, a four month old. So I'm well, so um, now you're just trying to sleep, is what you're doing, right? <laughs> I'm just trying to <laughs> trying to survive, basically. No, but in all honesty, I'm trying to navigate. I have two children now, and I'm just trying to navigate how that looks. Um, so a lot of the work I'm doing right now it goes a little uns- unseen, I suppose. One is family work and family life, mm-hmm. but I do a lot of uh, voiceover as well. So I do quite a lot of oh, TV nice. ads and things like that because that studio work just works so well for me um, yeah. with with having young children. So that's kind of my current, and I guess it's a watch this space and <laughs> just see what's next. Exciting, <laughs> Great. I know. <laughs> and um, 
people so people can find you, find out more information about you, and perhaps if they're interested in working with you, where can we find you? Yeah, so I have my I have my website, um, which is savannastevenson.com. And I'm on all the social media, although actually I don't use my Twitter that much. Have we, are we all a bit mm. off Twitter? I don't know. Twitter sort of, oh, it's gone a bit. But I, I, I am on Instagram and I have a Facebook page too. Um, so yeah, do get in touch if you want to work with me. And also we've filmed our webinar with, with IVA. So um, you can also um, purchase that, I believe. And um, and it's yes. got some, some good tips to hopefully help your students. Lots of very good stuff in that webinar. Yeah. To, to, our teachers yes. really loved it. They oh, really good. Did. Good, good. Yeah. yeah so to, to help feedback. your students how to, to connect and, and act their songs um, in their most authentic way. Yeah. And we will put links in our show notes to all of those so that you can find Savannah and her webinar. Thank you so much. But it's been so nice chatting and I was looking forward to this all day, just <laughs> sitting down and having a good old chin wag you know a <laughs> <laughs> good old chinwag I love that um, yeah. no it's been a joy thank you so much for having me and I just I always love doing all the work that I've, I've done with the IVA because there's such a, a lovely community feel even on even over the internet I feel it um, mm-hmm. as we do webinars and things so um, so yeah thanks for having me thank you so much yeah thank you so what did you think of that then with Savannah Oh, it was so much fun chatting to her. Um, just, yeah, getting to hear a little bit about, you know, how she got started. I mean, she was so, I don't want to say lucky, because she was clearly talented and oh, she got yeah, the job. But, but there aren't many people who book their first professional gig before they've even left drama school. That's, yeah. that's Impressive. something special. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And I loved, you know, the first question, you were, she was talking about, like, where she grew up and stuff, and you're like... Not being rude, like, but you don't sound very working class. <laughs> <laughs> but she doesn't, does she? She's so well spoken. I mean, she has got the quintessential English accent. When mm. somebody thinks, you know, particularly Americans, when they try and mimic an English accent, it's her accent. They're, they're not trying to sound like me. They try to sound. Oh, oh, let's speak very correctly. But yeah. like I say, sometimes drama schools train that into people. Mm. Plus, she lived in London for a long time. And, but yes. You know, it's the, what, what they call it, the, was it the transatlantic accent mm-hmm. or something? They used to call it something like that. The transatlantic accent is that halfway between American and English. She's got more um, what I would call kind of estuary English. Kind estuary of sur- English. Yeah, surrounding oh. London area sort of accent. Posh slightly posh sounding to mm. somebody like me who lives in the north <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've never heard that before estuary English yes mm. yeah, that's, a, that's a little flash in the pan from my English A-level that I did there we are. I know <laughs> very good I will remember that next time I'm down in that direction but, oh you speak estuary English estuary English I don't know why I just thought hi since bouquet there <laughs> <laughs> That's it. It's that very correct, very English. It's a bit posh, but I can put it on. It's my telephone voice if I want to sound. Yeah. You know. We all have one of those. What was it we called at our podcast voice? <laughs> Neither of us have one of those, do we? No, not at all. But I tell you what, though, what I found is that people who are quite musical, so singers, and people who, you know, act for a living and therefore put on voices a lot 
do tend to have a tendency to pick up accents mm. where they are living more quickly than people who aren't. So, like, I find myself, if I go up to Scotland and I'm up there for a while, I find myself picking up the Scottish lilt. I grew up in Scotland, just so you know. It's not like me taking the mick out of an <laughs> accent. But I once spoke very like Tom. And then I moved away from Scotland and I picked up the accent that I moved away to. But, yeah, I, I think there is something about picking up the accent. If you're a bit more musical, your ear is tuned to hear those kind of vowel pronunciations. So yeah, I, yeah. We find you get to the end of the conference week, eh? When you, especially when we were in America, and like my accent is all over the place by the like the fifth day, and I find because we've worked with Americans for so long that I like I feel like Google Translate when I talk now because I just <laughs> start I instantly change words to like American words because it takes too long to explain things, you know. Yes, like, you're right. Putting the rubbish out, and like what's the what's the rubbish? <laughs> <laughs> what's rubbish? <laughs> I did every time whenever we had a conference in America and I'd go over there and then I'd come back like the next week guaranteed I'd have someone say so are you American then (laughs) (laughs) I'd find myself just saying Americanisms like you know good Mm. job and I'm like I never say good job I say well done (laughs) (laughs) I say good good job awesome <laughs> I remember we went through a phase and you gave us all a round for using that in conversation. <laughs> like, stop it. <laughs> stop using awesome. Awesome yeah. means something is unbelievably like impressive. Like this podcast. Like, like this podcast is awesome. <laughs> yeah, see, that's that's an example of where I'd be like, but is it though? Is it really? <laughs> You're supposed to agree. <laughs> You're not supposed I mean, it's to put good. Podcast down. Don't get me wrong; it's interesting, it's entertaining, but is it awesome? Does it inspire all? <laughs> I feel inspired every time we do this. I will cry myself to sleep tonight. Now, <laughs> so if you not find really. out that next week's podcast is hosted by an entirely different person, you'll know why. <laughs> We're both inspired. <laughs> <laughs> get rid of her oh speaking of next week's ep- oh, it's not even next week is it the next episode that is coming out what are we doing on the next episode tom well it's a it's an hour of me and you rambling on just the two of us no guest <laughs> but actually no it'll be a very interesting episode we're going to do an episode about singers that are having difficulty with pitching or have pitching issues in general so we're going to be talking about that and imparting lots of our experience and thoughts on we that because this is a sub a topic close to my heart mm-hmm. it is a topic that i did a huge project on uh for part of my master's um so there is very little i haven't read on the topic <laughs> we're going to grill heather on the topic um so i have a lot of insights on the the neuroscience behind what's going on so um yeah, I shall share all of that with you, wonderful listeners. Because it's a very, I think it's something that we can all agree we've all had in our studio at one point or another is the singer that can't pitch. And the first time it happens, you're like, uh, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do we do here? You that's know, it. so yeah. It'll be a, a very useful episode if that's ever happened to you and you're not quite sure how to handle the situation. We'll try and give as much practical advice as we can. We will, indeed. And, um, just before we, we finish up on here, just wanted to mention as well, um, if you want to hear more about all of the acting advice that mm. Savannah gave us in our online 
uh, workshop that is available to purchase. Isn't it, Tom? Now you go into the details of how they do that because you know it is. Yeah, so she did a wonderful workshop on um, acting and performance from the perspective of the teacher working with people and lots of tips and advice. So if you're interested in that, get to the vocaladvancement.com website and go to the events section and you can find the recordings in there where you can purchase it. And if you use the code IVA-podcast, which we'll put in the show notes, you can have a little bit of money off that to help you help you out. And if you're interested, there are other lots of great webinars there as well with the likes of Kerry Oper, Ken Bozeman... Uh, Dave Junkos, lots of folk. It is quite a menu now of phenomenal information that voice teachers can really benefit from. I mean, all really interesting in different ways. So uh, it's really useful, actually. You can go in mm. and kind of figure out, well, what is it that I feel like I lack the understanding for most? Let's learn about that and let's you know build my skill set. Yeah, and we have the teachers that are in our accredited program get access to all these webinars for their education. And we recently got a comment in saying, I can't believe you have all these world-class experts that come in and do these webinars every month. And I get to sit and ask questions with these people, you know. know. So it's a fab program and we've got lots of great webinars in the recording bank, but there's also lots of great webinars coming up for the rest of the year. So that website we'll put in the link and you can see what's coming up as well. So if anything tickles your fancy, you can register for those too. Amazing. I know. It's just, it's wonderful. All this information and at our fingertips. Resource. Yeah, really great yeah. resource for teachers who are wanting to just kind of dip in and, you know, kind of yeah. educate themselves a little bit at a time. It's great. And on a wide variety of stuff, it's not just all vocal technique, you know, like acting, psychology, musicianship, anatomy. Like, there's, it's a really nice, diverse mix, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Something for everyone. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Lovely. We actually have one coming up today, don't we, that we're attending yeah. later. We will yes. be. Yes. Looking forward to that one. I know. It's a very popular one. Yes. Good. Good. We're, we're, we we're leaving you in listen. suspense as to what that yeah, is. Yeah, you've got because, to listen to the uh, next episode to find out who it is. Yeah, our guest speaker for the episode after next will be this presenter. Mm. So uh, yeah. we'll, we'll let you know more about that later. Yes. So, if you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe wherever you consume your podcast. Click the follow button or the subscribe button, whatever it says, so that you can get that episode that's coming up next time about pitching and our next again one with that lovely guest speaker. Um, what else do we need to say? I think, I think that's, that's everything it. we need to say. Thank you so much for listening to us. Yes. If you think the podcast is awesome, send me a comment so I can say <laughs> to Heather, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> And if you think it's just excellent and not Don't being... Don't leave a comment. <laughs> I want my point to be right. <laughs> leave we'll us a comment either way. We will read way. them all. Yeah. We will. We like to hear the comments, don't we? We do. And if you've got questions as well, especially, you know, you know what the next episode is about. If you um, have questions mm. about that, let us know. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, if you've got questions about pitching, send them to us and we will try and we'll do a frequently asked question. Well, not a frequently asked question, but we'll do a question and answer <laughs> well, section. Well, if there are some specific questions, then we'll try and get to those at some point. Yeah, that'd yeah. be nice. Ooh, audience participation. <laughs> it's an interactive podcast now. It really is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, right, goodbye. On that note, right. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.